Welcome to another episode of the Thought Card Podcast. Today, we're joined by Delina and Erica, the co-hosts of Brokish, a podcast about the impact that systems, laws, and policies have, which specifically target Black folks and keep us from building wealth and achieving the American dream. Brokish explores the duality of being Black in America and shares all the unbelievable-ish that America has done to hold us back. So far in season one, Delina and Erica have talked about the racial wealth gap, getting a college education, student loan debt, the history of housing segregation, and the types of policies that leave us out of the wealth building game. Welcome to The Thought Card, a podcast about travel and money, where planning, saving, and creativity leads to affording travel, building wealth, and paying off debt. We are the Financially Savvy Travelers. I'm so excited to have you on the show. I first discovered your show, Brokish, on one of the threads in the WSC Podcasters Facebook community, which stands for Women of Color Podcasters. And Brokish quickly became one of my favorite podcasts, partly because I love your chemistry and your dynamic together, but also because of how how eye-opening your content is. And I love that you reference a lot of black culture. You you actually share like hip hop culture and hip hop lyrics as well. And you provide us with all the receipts for your sources. So thank you again for being on the show. Thank you, Danielle. Awesome. So let's start off and dive right in. What inspired you to start the podcast Brokish? I'm I'm still trying to figure out how I ended up being a co-host because I was happy to help with ideas behind the scenes. You know, I love the collaborative process and the creative process and the storytelling aspects of it. But the topic is really Erica's passion project. And I was inspired by the podcast because I'd say over the past couple of years, I've been spending way too much of my time on Twitter and just hearing and learning about the data, the data as it relates to Black and white wealth in this country, and then just learning the history and how it all ties together. And Danielle, you talked about the podcast being eye-opening for you, and we really appreciate that. The data was eye-opening for us. And so that really spurred me on. And so when, after Delina kept begging me (laughs) to do a podcast, I was like, I think now's the right time to do it. I definitely feel that Brokish shares really eye-opening shocking, jarring, like what you share on the show is real life. And I feel like everyone's real life looks different. And I think that's that's sort of like what I think as a millennial black woman, I'm always looking at how can I grow and how can I progress? I'm looking at me, but the show really talks about at a macro level. And it also looks back at history as well, which I think really puts me into perspective. And it's, it is about me, but it's also more about what's going on in society. I am one of the, you know, the few people who doesn't have the same realities that we oftentimes talk about on the show. And I think that for me spurred me to action because it's like, I just can't be content to have the things I have and see the numbers and know that there are so many people around me who don't. And it really is not about the I, but about the we. As a community, do we understand what's happening? And 
the beginning is just understanding. And then it becomes a question of what can we do? Are there policies? Are there things that can be put in place to really reverse a lot of the, the information that's or the things that are happening to us now? Right. So what has been some of the feedback that you've gotten from your listeners about your show and the content that you share in your show? I think a lot of people have said similar things that you've said, Danielle, about how shocking it is, how shocking the information is. Everybody seems to have an opinion about what black people should be doing with their money. Yes. But if you don't have this history, how can you have such a strong opinion about the way forward? So um, and a lot of people have accused us of being depressing. But, you know, honestly, I feel like the depressing factor is the truth. And just like we were talking about before, it's like this duality, like what we see on TV and social media and maybe what we're living in our own lives. Does that really represent all of black America or generally what black America is facing? And especially as a lot of black millennials are climbing the corporate ladder, are doing things that previous generations haven't had the opportunity to do, we kind of lose touch with that. And it's, I think if we don't understand the history, we also are going to put ourselves in a situation where re- like history can repeat itself because we aren't aware of what happened, what are the systems that were in place before, how we passed, like pushed through it, and how we can move forward. So I think it's, it is very sad sometimes to hear some of the statistics and what has happened, but I think it's also empowering, um, especially for the young millennials who are coming up in the world and who are building their wealth. I think it's super important to share that message. I, Danielle, I absolutely agree with you that the information is powerful and we're so positive and we, and we think, oh, well, I see people who are doing well. I'm doing relatively well. But then when you stop to think about it and it's like, wait, if something happened to me and I had to spend a thousand dollars, you know, what would I have to do to get that money? Or do I really have my retirement account where I think it should be at this point in my life? And so when you really start to dig in, you see maybe things for me aren't like I thought they were. Maybe I feel like I'm sort of middle class or doing well just because I the things around me look like they're middle class, but does that really make me so? There is this idea that, you know, we are just... Uh, we're broke, right? Like the black and white racial wealth gap, it's it's real, it's there. In general, you know, we don't have the same we don't have the same income equality, we don't have the same wealth equality. We um, don't have the same benefits from housing, all these different things that are different and that make us broke. And so there there is this idea of just we're broke. So that's the broke part. And then the the ish part is that kind of that idea of middle class. And so it's like, well, we're kind of middle class. So maybe we're broke ish. Maybe we're not totally broke, just kind of a little bit broke. And then I, I think the double entendre part is the ish is also a word that means I'm not going to make your show explicit, <laughs> but I think most of us know what the ish is. And so it's like, man, this country has done a lot of ish to us to make us broke, right? And so after we started leaning into all of those ideas, it really stuck for us. And then now I can't imagine us being anything else besides brokeish. I mean, I can imagine Black people being something besides brokeish, but I can't imagine the podcast being anything besides brokeish. Okay, so let's unpack the idea. So we're saying that are we re- really middle class? And the question is, what is middle class? Do you have some numbers or do you know generally what the middle class tier looks like in America right now? 
Yeah, so middle class is a little bit different depending on the part of the country you live in. So, for example, you live on the East Coast. Of course, the coasts are usually more expensive than where we are in Texas or, or things like that. But in general, the idea of middle class doesn't take a lot. Like typically, if you you know have a family and your income is you know sixty, fifty thousand dollars, you usually meet the standard. And a lot of these middle income definitions are about income. And so as Delene and I were talking about that, and your listeners won't know, but we are not experts, right? We're just regular people who are passionate about a topic. But a, a lot of the definitions are about income. And we're like, that just doesn't seem right because our income doesn't shield us from the trauma that everyday life can bring. And so we actually were looking for definitions that talk about middle class as it relates more to your wealth position, because I think that's where we can really see how Black people are suffering. So one of the statistics that we quote, Danielle, is that the median wealth position of a Black family is $1,700. Okay, $1,700. And of course, your wealth is what you own minus what you owe. So if you think, wow, the median Black family is only worth $1,700, that's essentially nothing, right? Like, let's be honest about that. And then the median white family is worth about $117,000. So it's just so much more. And so as we look at that wealth divide and, or that wealth gap, we were thinking, again, looking for information about how can we describe middle class in a way that we think aligns more to what's important. And so in the Brookings Institute, they have this idea of the middle class being framed around what they call the three C's, which is like cash or bank account stuff, credentials, that's sort of like your resume, and then your culture which is like all the experiences and, and the stuff in your head. But of course, you know, we wouldn't be brokeish if we didn't do the remix on the three C's from the Brookings Institute. So we call it the three M's. And so we think being able to define whether you're middle class or not comes in the form of three M's. So the first is money. And again, those are your economic resources, your milestones. So those are like your education, your career. And then the last one is what we call mom and M. And mom and M is like your culture, your social access, and your ability to be able to make connections. And so I think if you look at a lot of Black people on an income level, that yes, we are doing better than we were 40 years ago, even though incomes have been stagnant, but we're doing better in terms of more of us are being educated, more of us are joining corporate America. But if you stop to look at those three M's, we're really not middle class. So in general, in America, 40% of Americans can't handle a $400 emergency. So of course, that's worse for Black folks. And it's just really interesting to think about, you might be in a middle class neighborhood with a middle class job, sending your kids to middle class schools. But if something were to happen, if the government shut down and you don't get paid for a couple of cycles, or if somebody is hit with a medical emergency, that's when we really understand, you know what, we probably aren't middle class. I think a lot of people they think about middle class in terms of income. Like, what does your salary say? And the truth is that your net pay does not equate to how much savings you have or how much wealth that you have. It's like a huge disconnect because you could be making close to six figures. And like we said, the average American doesn't have $1,000 in their bank account for an emergency expense. So I love, I love that the Brook Institute and, and as well as you guys, you also have some criteria to help us gauge like where we are and how we could push the meter forward. 
like Erica said, if the government shuts down, but what if you lose your job? What if you lose your job for a year? Like where, what do you have in reserves or things that you can liquidate in order to make it through that season? Yeah, it's almost like it's almost like the country, the media, they've conditioned us to believe that middle class is just it is just about your income. But there I believe there should be some sort of stability that comes from being a middle class person or family that can sustain you through tough times. And so it can't just be about your income. It has to be about something more. So for those who don't really know about the racial wealth gap in America, can you explain what the racial wealth gap is? Yes. So the racial wealth gap is basically the unequal distribution of wealth or assets between groups of people. So specifically at brokers, like Delina talked about, because we focus on Black, bamboozled, and unbroken, we look at the Black-white racial wealth gap. And so that, that really means if, again, if you take all the things that everybody owns minus all the stuff that they owe, that gets you to your wealth. And just looking at how different those wealth outcomes are for Black versus white people, it just, like Delina was alluding to, unless we believe in our own pathology, we've got to believe that there's something systemic that's at play that got us to this point. And I think one of the things that's really interesting is that from an organization called Prosperity Now, they talk about the fact that the median Black family is estimated to have zero wealth by the year 2053. So, Danielle, it doesn't sound like things are getting better. It, it sounds like this racial wealth gap keeps widening and that we're moving to a path where that $1,700 won't even be a reality. So your wealth number is, let's say, for example, you own a car. So you own a car and you might go to kellybluebook.com and you say, okay, my car is worth $10,000. And then you get your Capital One statement and you're like, okay, and I owe $5,000 on that car. So you take the 10,000 minus the 5,000. And so your wealth would be $5,000. And that's assuming you don't have anything else, right? All you have is this car. Um, But of course, people usually have other things. You might have a little bit of something in some of your accounts. You might have a 401k from work. But you might also have student loan debt. And although you might own a house, most of us don't actually own them, right? So there's some amount, you might have some home equity, but then there's probably what you still owe to the bank or to whoever financed that for you. So it's really taking all those things that are in your plus column and then deducting everything on your minus column. And that how, that's how it gets you there. You know, I have to tell myself, it is what it is. Whether I look at it or not, it is what it is. So what's it going to hurt for me to know this? Like information is power. So. Also, with the net worth, it is what it is. It's not like, oh, well, I'm not going to buy that latte now. And I loved your explanation that it is what it is. Like, it's it's just a fact. And there's no reason to feel guilt. Because maybe there's a little bit of a guilt factor there. You're like, how did I get myself into this? Or how can I dig myself out of this? And it's just like, this is what it is. And if you want to make moves sit down and make a plan and figure out how to get yourself in a direction that you want to be. So I, that's very empowering. Thank you, ladies. So there might be some listeners who are like, but we have a house, we travel the world, we buy some nice things. Have we really been bamboozled to thinking that we are middle class? We see social media and we see in the media, are Black people really winning in America? Do you have any thoughts on that? So I definitely think that, it, are we winning in America? The answer is absolutely no, right? Like that, the answer to that is unequivocally no. I do think that we can point to areas where 
things are getting a little bit bigger. But I do think that a lot of it is a facade. And so whether we want to blame that on, again, the media or social media, it's just that we have to reframe sort of what we should, what we are expecting of ourselves. And a lot of this, I think, is we have to let go of the guilt that we have around, well, what if we say we're not middle class? What if we look at our three M's and we go, you know what? Uh, I don't have a lot of stability. Maybe I'm not middle class, but that shouldn't really weigh us down or keep us from moving forward. That's just might be the reality of our situation. And I think that's why this journey for me has been so important, because it's not just about being broken by the things that we see. It's really about being empowered by the information that we now have. And so if if there are these families who are out there and they realize, because I literally had one of my friends who started doing the net worth calculations and looking at her information from a different level. And she was like, Erica, I really don't think I'm middle class. And she lives in a half a million dollar house and she has a career and, you know, she's married and her husband does too. But you you realize that the stuff going out is so much more than the stuff coming in. It's eye-opening, um, but I, I think that's all a part of the journey and the process. So I would say many of us are probably going to realize that we're not, but that's okay, right? So this is the part where we start thinking about, are there policies? How can we work with the people who we are electing to office to try to work to get things on behalf of us to turn it around? I know that personal finance is very personal, but from our conversation here, we've gathered that our money is also part of a larger system. So People might be asking and wondering, why does the macroeconomics and the macro issues in terms of societal and, you know, the population as a whole, why should we care? Like, why should I care about what's happening in terms of Black people in America and this racial wealth gap if it doesn't really apply to me? Yeah, I think we all have a tendency to just want to worry about us and our our families and our, you know, our personal bank statement, you know, make sure that we're doing okay. But, you know, when you think about it, one of the characteristics of the culture of whiteness that we are living in is individualism. And this includes when your primary lens is to just think about you and yours and not think about your community as a people. We've been socialized in this culture. And sometimes we think, well, as long as I'm doing okay, or if people would just do what I do, we, we have these ideas, these individualism type ideas, and we also have these ideas about meritocracy. People have what they have because, because they worked hard or they deserve it or they're smart. But when you start looking at history, it tells a different story. So I think we should care because these ideas that we have, that we're swimming in, they're toxic and they're not doing us any favors. And we think about how we have these examples of Black exceptionalism that are put before us. And so people love to point to Oprah, and they love to point to Jay-Z and Beyonce, and they love to point to all of these other people's people like Barack Obama, right? And those people who are exceptional don't represent 
all of us, but we get sort of seduced into believing that we are all living well and doing well. But when you start to figure out there are just exceptions and you know what, the most of most of us aren't doing as well. That makes me care about us more. Right. Like I can't just look at Erica and go, well, you know, we're fine. So let me just focus on that. Now it goes, you know what, I'm going to ignore these examples that are being put before me and I'm going to care about all the people around me who are struggling. I mean, that's a beautiful thing is that when you see someone who looks like you making strides and breaking barriers, you feel a connection. However, the duality of it is that that's an exception and that's not the norm. So let's take a step back. And I love that perspective. I feel like a lot of people are just so looking at the exceptions and they feeling so connected to being exceptional. But how about the ordinaries? Like where where are we and where are you in your story as well? So I think for us, we've been sort of realizing that so much of this is due to policies, right? And so that's really leading us down a path of understanding what policies out there that we want to advocate for and that we want to elect people who will fight for those things. So there's a lot of talk about reparations, for example, and I know Delina and I believe a lot in the concept of reparations. And so those are things that now, as we're listening to politicians talk, we're like, what do you think about reparations? Did you say you don't believe in that? Oh, okay. Well, we want to know, do people open up their mouths and in a full-throated way say, we see the racial wealth gap. We know it's a problem that America created. And so we are really just trying to understand more about the policies that can help to close the racial wealth gap. Now, whether that's policies like housing changes, right, so that things like redlining and reverse redlining don't happen to us in the future, whether those are policies related to income inequality. So we talk a lot on the show about equal pay day and how Black women's equal pay day has moved all the way to August 22nd now. So a Black woman has to work until August 22nd of the following year to make her dollar from a year that a white man makes in one. So these are all the sorts of things that we are really more active as it relates to how, what are the policies that we should be looking for that can change our position in the country? If someone is not really involved in the politics and understanding like how to get their voice heard or how to be more active, where would you recommend to start at a beginner level? It really comes down to learning about what's going on in your local area, just learning more about how the things around you function, right? Like, how does your county work? What kind of a city government do you live in? And so all of these are things that just you have to first understand the landscape. And then from that, you can figure out, OK, so do I agree with the trajectory of where my city or my county is going And then if I don't, on a very basic level, I just start using Twitter, right? Like just calling people out on Twitter, not necessarily in a bad way, but saying, hey, I see you voted for this thing. I think that was really awesome. Thank you for doing that. Those are all some very small things that you can start to do now to get more involved. Well, Erica and Delina, this was an amazing conversation. I learned so much and I know my audience will too. Just before we head out, can you share with us all the places that we can connect with you? Sure. You can go to Brokish.com. That's where we have all the receipts, all the things that we talk about. We have we have them in the show notes. We have books that you can read. We have there's just a wealth of information there. And also you can reach out to us on Facebook, Brokish, B-R-O-K-E dash I-S-H. 
and we are Brokish Podcast on Instagram and Brokish on Twitter.